Maria Martinez Keel. And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Days after Oklahoma carried out its first execution in six years, the state pardon and parole board recommended clemency for another death row inmate, Julius Jones. Reporter Josh Delaney is with us today. A lot has happened in the past two weeks with the death penalty in Oklahoma. Let's start with the most recent news. The Oklahoma Pardon and Parole Board voted on Monday in favor of granting clemency to high-profile inmate Julius Jones. What does this mean for him and what happens next? So at this point, everything is in the governor's hands. Governor Kevin Stitt can uh, reduce uh, Julius Jones's sentence to uh, life um, with the possibility of parole. Uh, Julius Jones is eligible for that at this point based on the time he has served. Or uh, he can deny clemency and Julius Jones would be scheduled for execution at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister on November 18th. Has Governor Stitt said anything about how he's going to address this case, how he's going to decide whether Julius Jones deserves clemency? As of uh, today, and we're looking at uh, November 4th, uh, he has not uh, tipped his hand at all. Uh, He has previously said he wanted to meet with Paul Howe's family. Um, uh, Paul Howe was the one who died in 1999. Julius Jones was convicted of killing him. Um, I hesitated because there's uh, his camp says that uh, he was not involved in this at all. Um, but perhaps I shouldn't have hesitated because he, he has been convicted and he's gone through several appeals um, at this point. But it's uh, in the interest of not offending either side, um, I should say he was convicted of... Uh, of murdering Paul Howe. Governor Stitt um, said he uh, would meet with the family um, before making that decision. I'm not, uh, uh, so I, I can't venture a guess uh, either way as to what he's going to do, and he hasn't said anything. And he hasn't said anything since uh, there was a hearing um, a couple of months ago in which the Pardon and Parole Board uh, pretty much voted the same way, um, and that was a three to one vote to uh, reduce Julius Jones's sentence. Um, So nothing really new out of the governor's office. Right, so a couple of months ago, this case came before the Pardon and Parole Board who voted to commute Julius Jones's sentence, like you said, to life uh, in prison, no longer the death penalty. And then the governor said that he wanted to wait until after the clemency hearing. So before it was a commutation hearing, the clemency hearing happened this week. Now that it, it is completely in the governor's hands, and he has up until Julius Jones's execution date to make a decision, right? I mean, this could go down to the final hour if, if the governor wants it to. It can, and it makes for... Um, I, I, I imagine everybody that's been following this case is wondering uh, what what's going through the minds of the uh, the Howell family at this point, and also Julius Jones. He is, um, you know, he is scheduled to die in uh, in two weeks. So um, that's that's got to be some mental 
torment there. Um, so yeah, it's it's just um, it's a waiting game. It's um, strangely fascinating to watch. I, I guess on one hand, one can imagine that Governor Stitt would have said something immediately after the clemency uh, to kind of put an end to it. Um, but but here we are. It's it's one long. Uh, waiting game with um, lots of other um, uh, commutation hearings and execution dates set for other death row prisoners in Oklahoma as well. Like you said, Julius Jones was convicted and sentenced to death in 2002 for the murder of Edmund businessman Paul Howell. We've seen the Howell family be vocal each time Jones's case came before the Pardon and Parole Board. What did they have to say this time after the clemency vote? Clearly, they were not uh, happy with the vote. Um, they've been uh, disgusted by these votes. Although, in their minds, uh, they were not surprised by the votes. I think I think they are betting on Governor Stitt to um, to uphold the, the the death penalty here. I, th- I think that's always been their stance. Uh, and they are um, continuously outraged by the support that uh, Julius Jones has in in Oklahoma City, um, throughout the state, and uh, throughout the country. Julius Jones is taking full advantage of everyone in his life and in this situation, including you, the board members here today. And I am here to warn you. He is not innocent. He is not a mentor and will never be a mentor to this community. Would you have this man over to your house with your family around your children? What if this was your family member that was murdered? All for a car, remind you. I passed a uh, entertainment theater on uh, Northwest 23rd the other night, and on their marquee, the lettering said, uh, uh, Justice for Julius Jones, I, I think is what it said. Um, so they're really angry about that. They they feel like um, their family member has not gotten near the amount of attention that uh, Julius Jones has gotten in this case, and that uh, a victim has been uh, largely forgotten, and they're fighting to keep his name out there. In fact, they have a website. I believe it's a .com. It is called uh, Justice for Paul Howell, and... If listeners are interested, they do a uh, meticulous and thorough job of um, sharing their side of the story, uh, sharing evidence from the case, talking about Paul Howell, and answering um, every every point of contention that comes up. They take the time to answer that on their website. So. Folks can read that. They answered the documentary about Julius Jones in this case that was called The Last Defense. Um, so that's 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 their fight, and that's 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 their strategy in all of this to continue to put uh, information out there. Uh, but I would I would say they believe Julius Jones committed this murder. That he is a sociopath. That was brought up by uh, uh, one of the relatives at the last pardon and parole meeting. He is a habitual liar, uh, that he has threatened people from behind bars, that he is in no way um, remorseful. And they've been very vocal about that. I want to ask about the 
potential implications if the governor agrees with the pardon and parole board and grants Julius Jones clemency. Um, If he follows their recommendation um, to reduce his sentence from death to uh, life in prison, there are some people out there saying that he could be immediately eligible for parole because of the number of years he has served already. Is that accurate to say? What are the potential implications for Jones if his sentence is uh, commuted or or if his sentence is reduced like that? So Paul Howe was... Uh, murdered in 1999, and at the time in Oklahoma, you could be, I, I believe, eligible for parole after 15 years. Um, now that law has changed, uh, but going back at, at that time, the murder happening in 1999, and then um, Julius Jones being convicted—that's uh, where that comes in about being uh, immediately avail- uh, immediately eligible for uh, parole. Uh, because of the time that, that he has served. Now, this Julius Jones news occurred only days after the state of Oklahoma executed John Marion Grant, who was the first death row inmate to be executed in six years by the state. He was killed by lethal injection on Thursday, October 28th. Uh, some have said the execution was botched based on what the witnesses present in the room, um, journalists, Uh, what they reported uh, of what happened. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So uh, Mr. Grant um, vomited um, after the, uh, the drugs were administered. Um, And of course in Oklahoma, there's concerns over this because executions were stopped for years uh, going back to, um, 2015, when there were a couple of botched executions that the state became uh, infamous for. Um, The Oklahoma Department of Corrections uh, said that uh, Mr. Grant was able to have food in his holding cell in the hours leading up to his execution. And it's generally known that... um, you know, if, if, for example, you're going to have a procedure and you need a, a anesthesia, um, your doctor will tell you not to eat anything beforehand. So uh, they are blaming the vomiting on on that issue, on, on him having access to food um, throughout the day. But they've also said they're not going to, uh, at this point, um, change any of their procedures. Um, critics uh, of the death penalty and critics of the state of Oklahoma have said um, that there just aren't, the state doesn't have any contingencies available uh, for problems that might come up during um, the the executions. They're not well planned out. Um, These procedures defy what, you know, what they would say is common sense, who would allow people to um, eat and drink before they're given um, sedatives. So they've, they, people have been highly, highly critical uh, of this, of what happened. There seems to be a big discrepancy about whether anything went wrong when you look at the Oklahoma Department of Corrections description of events and what independent reporters who witnessed the execution have said, because media witnesses also reported that not only did Grant 
vomit during after the first dose uh, of the lethal injection procedure that he also convulsed about six times violently so when a person convulses um, and vomits during the process of lethal injection from what we know is that considered to be unusual in an execution i mean has the department of corrections really acknowledged that especially given our state's recent history with botched executions the state really hasn't come out and and um uh discussed that issue there was a statement that the director of the doc said um after the execution that um that grant mr grant started dry heaving prior to actually uh regurgitating um while on the table and he estimated that he, you know, I think dry heaved, uh, less than 10 times. Um, but he said like Scott Crow, who's the, the DOC director said that, um, he conferred with the physician and the physician advised that it's not uncommon for regurgitation to occur, uh, when someone's undergoing the process of sedation, um, so, um, not being a scientist, not being a doctor, I, I saw those, those reports as well. I, I, I think people were, it was coming out on Twitter of, of, of immediately that this, this convulsion was happening and there was problems with the execution. Um, so I think this will be a fuller, um, di- discussion, um, going forward. Now, one more question about the, that sedative, uh, it's called midazolam. It's the first... Uh, drug that they pump into the body um, as opposed to sedate the um, the the person who's being executed. Um, that drug um, uh, that John Grant appeared to have a reaction to is the focus of a lawsuit from death row inmates, uh, from inmates who are currently on death row awaiting their execution. Tell us about the arguments. What have they said about uh, midazolam and what their concerns are. Yeah, so that's it's that's really interesting in light of what happened during John Grant's um, execution. Um, so here in Oklahoma, uh, there's um, there's a three drug cocktail, a three drug mix that is used for executions, and uh, midazolam is a sedative. And the procedure starts with that, and um, uh, experts say that it induces uh, general anesthesia. The argument from death row inmates in Oklahoma is that uh, it doesn't work, it doesn't prevent pain, and uh, therefore it violates, uh, this, this procedure violates their constitutional rights, that it is uh, cruel and unusual punishment uh, for them to be uh, injected with this drug and then subject to uh, pain while they're being put to death. And that trial is going to take place in February of, of next year. And there are, I think at this point, 30 death row inmates that are uh, a part of that. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that, um, how that plays out. Uh, there 
are, I believe, including Julius Jones, uh, about six more executions scheduled through March of uh, next year. So, but a lot of this is up 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 to uh, high level judges um, in Oklahoma and uh, at the Supreme Court, which which uh, interjected uh, after appeal. Uh, in the in the John Grant uh, case and uh, the Julius Jones case um, as well. I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly what I wanted to ask about next um, because that lawsuit over whether midazolam is a, is a constitutionally allowed drug to use, that trial is set on February 28th. But Oklahoma has five more executions scheduled before that trial begins, including Julius Jones. The federal courts seem to go back and forth on whether to put these executions on hold until that trial takes place. So take us through what happened with that court process over the past two weeks or so, because it it that also really came down to the wire, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, there was a stay issued, I believe, by the Tenth Circuit uh, for the grant execution uh, and... Uh, Julius Jones as well, but then the next day, well, the state attorney general uh, immediately appealed and uh, the Supreme Court allowed the execution uh, to go forward. So there was this uh, movie-like last-minute drama uh, that goes on. Um, now I was told by somebody in the DOC that it's it's it was almost the reverse of what typically happens, where they're they're waiting for a last minute stay. In this case, they were waiting for a last minute go ahead and and carry out the execution. Um, so they they were a source in there was telling me that that was uh, uh, an unusual uh, turnabout. My guess is going forward. Um, there are going to be so many legal challenges with each one of these executions. And a lot of that's based on the fact that there is a hearing coming up in February. I imagine there's going to be arguments made that uh, why are we going through with this now when there's a hearing that's set in February. Now, the outcome of all those uh, cases and appeals and, and, uh, all of that stuff is way above my pay grade. I just imagine there's going to be a lot of legal wrangling over over the next few months. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. I know it's a grim subject, but we appreciate your coverage on this. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.